listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork, or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friends, Corey, Jed, and Kurt, at the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 600 West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727-501-9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. You may be owed some money. After 911 and 411, call 541. That's 727-541-1741. Call Gulfstream Motorsports for a diminished value report. Due to my 28 years experience in the auto salvage business, I'm very good with wrecks. So if your car has been involved in a wreck, call me for a diminished value report. Call 727-541-1741. You may be owed some money for the lost value of your repaired vehicle. And visit us at GulfstreamMotorsports.com. something in Spanish. He's coming for you, Jack. Where's your ship? Your crew? Your pants? Jack! I'm so sorry, were you still talking? There's nowhere to hide. Find Sparrow for me. From this moment on, we are to be allies. Considering where your left hand is, I'd say we're more than that. <laughs> I'm not looking for trouble. What a horrible way to live. You will pay for what you did to me. I'm looking for Jack. I'm going to swim for it. Karina, stop that. No, 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 no. Don't stop that. This has gone far enough. No, it has not. I saw her ankles. You'd have seen a lot more if you kept your cake holes shut. Hey, this is Lou Santiago of Car Fix and GarageInsiderTV.com. You're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Enjoy the show. Set the way back machine. Yes, sir, Mr. Peabody. 
listeners, welcome. You're tuned in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and I'm your show host, Robert. Run your computers and Google Tantalk1340.com, and you can see us live here in the studios in downtown Clearwater. Don't forget to check out our website, GolfstreamMotorsports.com. We can find out all about us. And if you go to the archive page, you can listen to all 392 shows. I think that's what I have uploaded so far, but it might be 93 or 94. Anyway, good evening, Tommy. How you doing? I'm doing very well. Good evening, Robert. Yeah, we've had How some, are you? Pretty good, pretty good. We had, we've actually had some great weather here in Florida, haven't we, recently? Oh, nice today, yeah. Yeah, okay, well, good. All right, so, hey, guys, we got a pretty cool show for you now. We're actually going to cover something a little bit different, because today I was actually out and about, and I was uh, doing my usual, well, you know, I'm a man of many hats, so to speak, and today I was uh, a junkyard as usual, so I was junking and scrapping, so... Uh, which is kind of fun. I like doing that. Yesterday, I was actually in the trailers, and I was working and sorting out some of my inventory and stuff. And uh, so, you know, I got a lot of stuff out there I want to sell. So if anybody needs any small block Ford stuff, small block Chevrolet stuff, don't forget to visit my website. Give me a call, and I can tell you about all the cool stuff I got. Small block Chevrolet, small block Fords, big block, no big block stuff. Um, sheet metal for a lot of Mustangs. I got some Camaro stuff. And uh, we've got a couple project cars we need to get rid of, too. And I probably I should talk about these from time to time. In fact, one of them I got, and it's also on Craps List or Craigslist. Some people refer to it. It is a 63 Falcon two-door hardtop project car. I've got a 74 Z28 project car. i got a what's left of a 914 Porsche, so I want to make a road race car out of it. But you got to be real mm, diligent to put that thing back together. But, hey, the thing about project cars, you can get in them cheap, and you can build them the way you want. For example, the 63 Falcon that I have. It is uh, a pretty cool piece. And you know what? There are some cars, we talk about this occasionally on uh, on this show, that are not worth restoring. If you get a basket case, you buy a basket case for a reason, two reasons. Like, for example, I just not too recently here, we stumbled on this 1929 Packard. If we go to our Facebook page, you'll see pictures of it. And also a 1949 Caddy convertible. Now, the Caddy convertible, the Packard, you almost have to restore or leave it as it is and just throw it in a museum. The Packard, uh, the uh, 49 Cadillac, uh, you could do something really cool with that because I've seen a lot of guys take really ugly, nasty, relatively solid slash unrestored rusty cars because they've got this little thing called patina. And... Uh, Make a really cool car. Put a retro motor in it. Put uh, If you're a Ford guy like me, you're going to put a Ford motor in it or a Coyote 302, a Ford 460. If you're a Chevrolet guy, well, you'll just put your basic boat anchor in it. And uh, and if you're a Mopar, man, you got no car. So at any rate, no, no, no. I know I'm picking on everybody, but hey, that's, I can do that because I'm a Ford guy. And guess what? It's my radio show. So, uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, so if you had a Mopar, you could put one of those crate Hemi motors in it or, you know, just like with Chevrolet, you could put a big crate, uh, you know, big block Chevrolet in it or the hot setup right now is a LS3 motor. That's what everybody's putting in because they're cheap, 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 cheap. And uh, But, you know, you just kind of resto mod it slash hot rod it and just leave it kind of somewhat original, but you tidy up the suspension, the undercarriage, and things like that. And you make everything work. You know, lights, horn, wipers, and all the essentials, you know, so it would at least pass an inspection. Anyway, but the caddy was kind of cool. Uh, back to my little Falcon. So the Falcon, what I would do, you know what they did with Falcons back in the day? They were great gassers. So you put a straight axle underneath it, jack the front end up in here, put a small block in it, put a three or four speed in it, five speed, six speed, whatever you want to put in it, as long as it's manual. Got to have three pedals. That's important. And you cruise it around, you know. And I, I got to tell you, you know, you go to some of the car shows, and a car that's kind of looks like it was just dragged out of a barn gets probably more attention than the car that's been restored. So, and it'll get just as much ink. You know, if you put it in the magazines, it'll get just as much ink. Speaking of car shows, 
and magazines. I think it's time for the FLACarshows.com minute. So uh, don't forget to check out FloridaCarshows.com where you find out about all the car shows taking place here in our lovely state of Florida, which right now I can say that because the weather's great. So what's coming up here in a couple of weeks? The National Mustang Racing Association, March 2nd, okay? And uh, that is 2nd, 3rd, and 4th. I will have tickets for that. As starting next week, we will be doing radio show giveaways. And again, I have to preface, ladies and gentlemen, if you plan on attending, then definitely call. If you plan on just sticking them on your window or on your bulletin board, save the tickets, the call-ins for somebody else that's really going to use them. So we're not in the, you know, we try to encourage that as much as we can. The following week is the National Mustang no, excuse me, the National Muscle Car Association event, and that's March 9th, 10th, and 11th. That's also, both events actually take place in Bridgeton Motorsports. So if you're a muscle car guy, a hot rod guy, and you're doing drag racing, swap meets, cool cars, a lot of camaraderie, which there is in the car biz, um, don't forget to check out those two events. Also, this weekend, what's going on? Well, this weekend in uh, Lakeland at the Sun and Fun, um, I forget what they call it exactly, but I'm going to say Sun and Fun. It's like an air park over there, and uh, there's a big swap meet. Carlisle is having their swap meet and their uh, big auction. I mean, last year there was, or last fall, because they're twice a year, there's a spring. No, there's a fall, and then there's a winter extravaganza. This is the winter one. And there was just a lot of cars there. There was probably mm, close to 300 and some odd cars there, some pretty good stuff. And you know what? The first day and the last day are always the best day for deals. The last day, obviously, because... As they say, the bid goes on. So if something you were looking at didn't sell, you got a second shot at getting it pretty cool. They don't do what they do in the Mannheim auction, which is an RR, which is a rerun. They don't do that. Also this weekend, if you're a little bit more on the uh, reserve side, you want some really classy cars at a really classy place, don't forget to check out the Boca Raton Concourse. That takes place uh, this weekend in Boca Raton, Florida at the Boca Raton uh, spa and country club i guess hotel down there so that should be a lot of fun so those are the biggies this week and of course there's probably some local ones and there's a whole bunch of events all listed on floridacarshows.com now where will we be we could be in any number of those now uh what did we do this past weekend well this past weekend uh there was a porsche 356 thing up at the mission inn in howie in the hills which I was a day late and a dollar short because family comes first. I had to rescue my son. I had to fix his little Ford Focus. I had to do the brakes on it because I got some crazy number from Ford, and I fixed it myself for about a quarter of that. But I did have to drive to Orlando. But you know what? It was cool. I got to hang out with Bobby a little bit, and we fixed his car. We did the rear brakes on the car. And, hey, you know, brakes are not that complicated, um, especially disc brakes. You know, there's really not much to it other than pulling a caliper off. You know, if you don't have to mess with the if you have no leaks – you're not messing with anything. If you're just switching pads and your rotors are decent, yeah, chances are, you know, you got to stay on top of those. So that's what we did, and then we just kind of hung out and did stuff. Anyway, um, what's going on this weekend? That's it. Uh, oh yeah, well then, you know, tonight if uh, if you're hanging out next door here at Naughty Nancy's, there's uh, um, open mic night tomorrow night. Is open mic night over at uh, Brady's Backyard Barbecue, and let's see what else. That's about it. So, obviously, we're going to be everywhere and anywhere. And then, of course, next month, the big, big, big event is the Amelia Island Concourse. And, again, you hear me talk about this every year. There's four major events, almost every show, four major events you have to attend. In January, Scottsdale Collector Car Week in Scottsdale, Arizona. In March, Amelia Island. And in 
August, it's Monterey Collective Car Week, and in November, it's SEMA. Those are the four that should be on. You need to see those. And, of course, anything and everything in between because there's events all around the country. Really cool stuff. That does, you know, I'm not, with, I'm not uh, um, leaving out, like, uh, any of the good guys shows, which are pretty cool, the NSRA, which they're coming up here, I think, pretty soon, which is the National Street Ride Association. They'll be over in, uh, in uh, Tampa at the fairgrounds. So a lot of cool stuff coming up. Um, I think what we're going to do is, while I'm thinking and pondering what we're going to do here in a few minutes, I'm going to go ahead and have Tommy throw a little music on the uh, turntable here for us. So turn up your transistor radios, fire up those AM radios in your car, your 1965 Mustang, and tune in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. Here's a little Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young wooden ships. Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork, or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friends, Corey, Jed, and Kirk at the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 600 West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727-501-9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. 
Looking for car shows? Then look no further than flacarshows.com. On your computer or on your mobile device, flacarshows.com is a comprehensive list of automotive events plus videos and news articles. Whether you're looking for car shows, cruise-ins, meetups, automotive festivals, cars and coffees, or anything else relating to an internal combustion engine, then this is a site for you. Check it out online or on your phone at flacarshows.com. My name is Piero Rivolta, president of Rivolta Group, and I love to listen to nostalgic radio and cars. Okay, we're back, and you're tuned into Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and that was uh, my friend Piero Rivolta. And if you kind of guess it, you've been tuning in the show here for a little bit. Um, we're on a boat theme, on a ship theme tonight. That's what we're going to be talking about. And Piero is uh, a native Italian. His father was the one that uh, started the company called ESO. ESO is well-known for a number of cars, one in particular that most people remember. If you watch a TV show out of the 80s, 90s, whenever it was, Urkel, he had a little Isetta, which is a little ESO, Isetta, BMW-powered, with a little door that swings open in the front. And then he made some pretty serious uh, Street cars, but they were basically hybrids. Oh yes, hybrids. Yeah. Let me let me preface by saying hybrid. A hybrid is an Italian bodied sports car or a European bodied sports car with a domestic foreign non-foreign American made motor in it. So for example, a Pantera and a Mangosca is a hybrid because they're Italian cars with Ford motors in them. The ESOs had Chevrolet motors in them. And they made an ESO Revolta, they made an ESO Griffo, an ESO Lele, and uh those are pretty bad little cars. Look at the little cars. Now, the early ones had Chevrolet motors in them, and the later ones had Ford motors in them. So anyway, so Piera is also into boats. He has a boat manufacturing facility, and it's called Prever- uh, Revolta Yachts, and they're built in Sarasota. So that's why we had him do the liner on that one. Now, um, talking about uh, open mic nights, because I'm really into that. I like music, obviously. This past weekend, I went to the Renegades Extravaganza, and of course, I was searching for guitars, but I didn't find much in the way of guitars, but I did find somebody in there that was dealing an antique boat salvage. So yes, ladies and gentlemen, you guess it. That's the theme for this evening, boat salvage. Now, you know, I'm in the car salvage, but never had anybody on talking about boat salvage, so that's what we're going to be doing this in a few minutes here. So, uh, having said that, and music, Rib Shack Barbecue, one of our primary sponsors, great barbecue. Big shout out to Corey and them. And one of the guys that works there, his name it really is Henry Ford. Oh, yes. Shout out to Henry Ford over there. And uh, don't forget to give them a call. Stop by. Mention Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and you will get a free drink with your meal. Okay? So say hi to Jackie and Corey and Henry and those guys and Carlos over there. They're a great bunch of guys. But we're thinking about doing a blues and barbecue night over there so blues music and barbecue so i think that's that'll complement one another so that's pretty cool so as that progresses we will definitely keep you guys in the loop and uh so let's see all right yeah so this past weekend i went up to uh well the only thing i could attend that was left that was on sunday was renegers now i i know those guys up there pretty well and uh every second saturday every second sunday of the month they have guitars and cars kind of like a big swap meet thing so they have some cars and stuff over on one side and then the music and the guitar people, uh, string instruments primarily, which is what guitars are, um, they all kind of hang out on the other side. And there's a big, uh, oh, I guess you would call it like a big overhang warehouse kind of looking thing with no sides on it. And we all hang out in there and tell stories about guitars, how good we are and how bad we are. But uh, it's a pretty cool bunch. So there's a lot of camaraderie among uh, among musicians. And, you know, it's all it, music brings everybody together, you know. 
Let's see what else. Oh, yeah, this past weekend, I think they had a race over in Daytona. And I think it was called the 500. Is that what it was called? The Daytona 500. And I can't remember the name of the guy that uh, won it, but he was driving, I believe, the number three. And coincidentally, three, it was he, he was actually sponsored by Hendrix Motorsport. Or no, by uh, Richard Childress. And Richard Childress was the uh, team owner for Dale, Dale Earnhardt and I believe Dale Earnhardt Jr. And coincidentally, it was the exact same number and 17, I guess it was 17 years to the date that uh, Dale Earnhardt crashed at Daytona. So kind of a weird deal. But at any rate, uh, Daytona's a lot of fun in this. Austin Dillon. That's the guy, Austin Dillon. Okay. Say so thank you there, uh, Tommy. And supposedly it was Danica Patrick's last run, and unfortunately I think she got caught up in the mess, and there was a there was some pretty good crashes on it. And, of course, NASCAR, and, the, and we had uh, Bill Blair Jr. on a few weeks back, and he was talk, talking to us about the early days of NASCAR. And we're going to have him back on because he's got some great stories. He really does. He was there. Okay, he was side-by-side side with his dad because his dad was one of the early racers and knew Bill France. And back when NASCAR racing and racing in general, guys, I mean, when it meant something, when racing was racing and you had to be a man to drive a race car, it wasn't all done by a computer and you just pretty much sit there and kind of like you might as well just be, uh, you know, self-driving. And, um, but, you know, and the, mecha- and the guys that drove the cars were actually wrenches. They actually knew about the car, you know. And today these guys have no clue. They just know how they, I mean, it's, as far as they're concerned, it's a smartphone with four wheels and tires on it. And uh, it's sad. It really is. Because in my opinion, you know, it takes the, the whole idea of racing out of the, the racing, you know. Um, you know, it, it's, a, it's about the car and it's about you driving and controlling it, you know, not having all these these uh, devices to, to help you, these aids, you know, because, you know, then it's not, uh, it's not you driving, it's the car, you know, and the car is compensating for your, your weakness, so to speak, you know. And um, that's why there was so much competition back in the day. That's, that's what I like about vintage racing. Vintage racing today is pretty much, it's all pretty much vintage racing. It's old car stuff, old school stuff, old technology. Now they got new, the new stuff that's incorporated in vintage racing is obviously anything that's related to safety. Okay, so if it's safety-related, that'll be in racing, and that's a good thing. We need as much safety as possible, and if you've followed racing, you know, less and less people are really, really getting seriously injured in it, so that is cool. I think what we need to do is go ahead and throw something else on the um, turntable, and then we're going to get our uh, special guest for the evening on, and um, you guys will find out all about marine salvage, and I will find out about marine salvage, so it just should be a lot of fun. So in the meantime, everybody stay tuned to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Don't forget to tell your friends every Tuesday night here on the Tantalk Radio Network. Here's a little cream for you. Tales of Brave Ulysses. Laughing through your fingers 
and you want to take her with you to the heartland of the winter. Her name is Aphrodite, and she rides a crimson shell, and you know you cannot leave her, for you touch the distant sands with tales of rain. What a lovely thing she was, standing as high in the water as one of your skyscrapers. And God himself, they said, couldn't sink her. Then in two hours she was gone, and 1,500 souls with her. Control, this is Deep Quest at 8,000 feet. Negative contacts. This is Turtle. No contacts, now. <laughs> the jackpot. It's at the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean. You're talking about 12,500 feet underwater. Which leaves us with only one choice. Are you talking about raising the Titanic? Yeah. It's the biggest job with the highest stakes anybody ever dreamt of. If there's a leak, we have to stop. What do you mean by a leak? I don't even know what you're talking about was a secret. That's what I'm telling you. Nobody knew about it. This is control. Do not exceed 12,000 foot depth limit. Out. Starfish with money trying to surf. Over. Starfish. It's gone dead. She's going down fast. They gotta lose some weight. Uh, release the damn thing. I took this job on two conditions. One, that I handle the salvage end of it my way. And two, that you stay out of my hair. I'm gonna crush the deep quest. Indicates electrical fire on the left. If we can't cut loose that submersible, we gotta bring up the Titanic. Target date's two weeks away. Our target date just got changed. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Mark. Here and you are listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Turn it up. Okay, we're back and you're tuning into Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and it's time to introduce our special guest for the evening. Now, a little preface on that movie that was Raising the Titanic in 1980. I actually saw that movie, so I thought it was kind of a cool trailer, and I think it's very fitting. Because I'm delighted to welcome my next guest, who is the owner of Big Ship Salvage, and I believe they're out of Virginia, John Clifford. John, how you doing? Welcome to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Hey, Robert. Thanks for having us on tonight, and we're actually out of South Carolina. Oh, okay. <laughs> but I tell you, I want to go on that Titanic job when you get that one, all right? <laughs> when I get that one. Okay. Well, now, you know, there's. Well, let's talk about that for a second. What are your thoughts on that, on, on raising a ship that's been down there? And I believe the Titanic broke in three pieces, right? Yeah, three, lots of pieces, but three big ones. <laughs> yeah, lots of pieces and three big ones. Okay. But uh, so, you know, do you think a ship like that should stay? Or do you think we should uh, try to bring it up and salvage what's there? Or what do you think? Well, I think, 
I think that one should be left alone. I mean, that's a pretty historical shipwreck. You know, a lot of people, unfortunately, lost their lives. And for us, you know, there's a whole lot more that's available that's what I would call the low-hanging fruit. You know, things that are on the beach being cut up for scrap. You know, it's almost for, like, you car guys going to a junkyard that's full of Jaguars and Ferraris and Bentleys and all the cars that you guys want. We can... You know, instead of going down thousands of feet to try to get that Titanic, which, you know, it's obviously protected by laws, you know, we can go places where they're running ships up onto the beach and cutting them up. And we've, you know, with the contacts we've got, you know, we've got real easy access to those boats without trying to dive, you know, a thousand feet down to get to things like the Titanic. Although, it sure would be nice to have some of that one. (laughs) Oh, yeah. All right. So tell us, how do you get into your business? How did someone like you... Where do you start and wind up to the level that you're at? So take us through the, st- the process here a little bit. Well, a, a lot of the, our success has been our willingness to travel to faraway places that most people would look at. You know, when I tell them where I go, they go like, are you crazy? You know, the, the, the first break the ice deal is, is you're going to end up going to some third world and fifth world countries and and in those places, you're you're going to end up going to places that are not too commonly traveled by people from the eastern places like the United States. And so, you know, what what took us a while to do is it took us many many contacts of emails and phone calls and and actually even showing up and talking to them. And and they look at you and they, they don't want to deal with you because they're not looking to deal piece by piece. And you you eventually got to find one guy and strike up a deal with him at, at, at one of these breakers and say, look, I'm going to be loyal to you, and we're going to buy everything you got, whether it's, you know, broken or not. And, so, and that's the thing with us is, and most of you guys that are true junkers know that, you know, you guys want to go out and get the, the crown jewel. And, well, for us, in order for us to get that crown jewel, we've got to commit to these guys of buying, you know, everything that's coming in. You know, like they show you one item and they say there's 200 of them on the ship, and you buy them, you got to be prepared that there's going to be a certain number of them that are just going to be pure junk, and, and it's not going to be worth your while. And so that's how we get into it is to, to make those contacts. And believe me, it's not just like going out on the Internet and Googling things on Alibaba or eBay and, and talking to somebody. you physically got to go. you physically got to dig into the ditches, and, and you've got to go onto these vessels and look at the things that are available and try to pick the items that, that you're going to bring back and that the consumer is going to want. And so, you know, for us, you know, traveling to those faraway places, you know, I've got a history of, you know, traveling. So to get there wasn't that big of a deal. But even today, that landscape's changed greatly. You know, I mean, 9-11 changed all of this international traveling and getting things in and out. And and, and you've got to, and, and I know my wife's listening to this, and she's probably laughing when I say this, but, you know, it takes a certain amount of patience. And, you know, you, you, you've got to understand, you know, what Carla and I go through in these buying operations is what we buy takes forever to get here. You know, and, and when it gets here, sometimes it's like Christmas. And even I, even though I've got inventory lists and photographs and I know what I was there when I was buying it, even then sometimes when we unload these containers, it's like, wow, yeah, I remember buying that, but I forgot all about it. And it's like starting all over. But, you know, to get into it. First off, you better have some money to get into it because nobody will finance anything we do. It's, it's basically all what my wife and I put up. This company is our backbone. You know, we, we work it. 
you know, I mean, for me, it's seven days a week, 24 hours a day. I'm on thinking about it, doing it, making calls, you know, trying to talk to these guys. And there's a lot of trust involved. And, and for all you guys that think that, you know, what we do, it, you always see the cream of the crop. You always see what works out. What you, what you guys as the consumer and the people that meet me at these trade shows or, you know, the ones that have come by my warehouse and seen me is for every deal that's worked out for me, there's a deal that hasn't worked out, whether we've not gotten the product or whether we've, they've showed us product A and we've gotten product B or product A has come in and all of them are just scrap and we've got to, we've got to figure out what to do with them. So it's, it's, it's not like going to the junkyard and you go out and you see the door on that car that you've been waiting to get and you see it and, and you and the junkyard guy pull it off and, you, and he puts it in the back of your truck and you drive home. I'm leaving next week to go to Bangladesh. Great place. I hope none of you guys ever have to go there. <laughs> but, you know, the, 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 the things that I'm going to encounter next week that, that I'm going to have to search through and dig through to find that gym, when I do find it, once I find it and I've paid for it, then I've got to step back and hope that I get it before Christmas of this year. Because remember, you know, what you and I talked about last week is I'm going to go on to a ship that's just recently been run up onto the beach. It may still have the smell of engine oil from the motor still burning. It may still have the heat in the engine room. It may still be hot. Um, it, it, you know, who knows what's going to be going on. I mean, the refrigerators could still be running. There still could be food in the refrigerators, but there isn't going to be a crew there. The only crew that's going to be there is the guy with the cutting torch and the deck cords getting ready to cut the thing in half so that we can get in there and get what we want. And so, um, you know, that trip next week is, you know, it's going to be fun. Um, it's, it's, it's tough. It's, it's a 24 hour flying adventure to get there. Um, couple different airport stops, um, a lot of strange food that you really don't want to eat and <laughs> it's, and it's going to be hot. But the beauty of it is, is that I'm going to go there and, and I'm going to see this nautical salvage stuff still hanging on the wall in the ship with the paint on it. And we're going to have to climb up on ladders and we're going to have to, to, to tap on it and find out, you know, is it steel, iron, aluminum, plastic? You know, I'm after the brass stuff. You know, that's all I really want. I mean, I do bring back some aluminum stuff, but I want 95% of my product I bring back to my consumers here in the United States. You know, I want it to be brass. And so, you know, when I say I climb up on a ladder and we click on it and, and, and file on it, we're doing that because this stuff is covered with paint. I mean, for you guys that have gone out and, you know, looked at our website, bigshipsalvage.com, and you see all this stuff that's, that's been cleaned up and it's polished and in I get people all the time that think that's the way we find it. And the reality of it is, is that, um, most of what we find requires extensive, you know, cleaning because it's, it's got years of paint on it because these guys, instead of polishing the stuff, they've, they've had to paint it. But the fun part is, is that, you know, we get to climb onto these ships, you know, and if, if you go, you know, out to the gallery, you know, on BigShipSalvage.com, we've got a gallery button at the top. I think it's like the second or third photo down on it. You can see on um, one of my last trips, um, my guys that are working with me um, in Bangladesh actually photographed me climbing um, one of these rope Jacobs ladders from 
a smaller boat that we took out, and I had to climb up the side of the ship, and it was about 75 feet from the water line up to where I climbed over the rail. And it, if, if that doesn't turn your stomach, um, I, I don't know what will. I mean, because by the time you get there at the beach and you see this, you know, 1,000-foot vessel sitting there on the beach and, you know, they've already started cutting on it, you see stuff being drug onto the side of the handrails that are getting ready to be lifted over, you know, you've got to somehow figure out how to get onto that thing. You know, and you've, you've got to sometimes, sometimes we can walk right up to it and they've got a hole cut in the front of it that's up on the beach. We climb in it and go and, and we'll work our way through the different compartments and find the lights and the different uh, nautical antiques that we want. Other times we've got to climb that ladder and get up. Now, the beauty of it is, you know, it's kind of like this isn't the pick-apart place that we've got here in the States. Um, I don't physically go there with my own hands to, to pull the parts off because... There's plenty of labor available there, and they'll they'll pull anything off that I say I want that. You know, the the problem is is then we've got to get that part off the ship. We've got to get it back to a facility there that will soda blast and get all that that cruddy paint off of it. Remember, guys, this is this is mostly lead based paint, so it's 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 something that we. We don't want to bring back here and strip it. I mean, I get a lot of people to say, hey, bring back a lot of those lights, and, and we want them with the paint still on them. We're going to do it ourselves. And you, you really don't want to do that because what we're taking off, I'd say 90% of it's lead-based paint. And so when we're doing it there, we're doing it in a controlled environment, and we, we don't have – you know, we don't have that issue to deal with once we get it back here to the States and we're ready to do the final polishing and the rewiring. But, you know, our the, the backbone of our business, it, it is the lights. Like, you know, you visited our booth when mm-hmm. we were at the uh, Mount Dora Antique Festival, and most of what you see in my booth is, is going to be lighting products. Um, but we do all the wild stuff, you know, compasses, binnacles, telegraphs, flags, cannons, um, you know, small paperweights, light switches. I mean, anything we can get our hands on and and repurpose it so that it's usable for the homeowner, that's what we're all about. But the hunt to get the stuff, you know, fortunately or unfortunately, however you want to say it, um, in our company, you know, my wife, Carla, she, she runs the office. She runs the warehouse when I'm gone. And believe me, she gets to do more of that because I'm out on the road either selling product or I'm out buying product, and, and so I leave her to run that. But unfortunately uh, for me, the travel that you guys all look at and say, oh, that must be great, you know, you're going to get a, go to see another country, um, believe me, it, it's, it's a tough, tough adventure because the conditions, um, you know, whatever you think it is, multiply it by 10 as far as the conditions go, you know, where we have to go find this stuff at. And and getting around and the language barrier, um, all that stuff's tough. But the, the real fun of it is to get into those ships, get all the way down to the in- engine compartment, and start looking at hanging lights and trying to figure out what that light's going to look like when it's pulled off and clean. You know, so but that that's the that's how you get into it. But it's it's fairly difficult. You can do it here in the United States. There are some shipyards you might be able to go to and buy things out of. I, myself, um, I, I like to hunt. I like to get off the beaten trail. I like to go to places that most people would never go to and risk their lives to go to. <laughs> when I say risk your life, believe me, there is some risk involved. It may not necessarily be because you're in a third or fifth world country. Um, it could simply be 
just the food or the environment. I mean, it, it's it's kind of funny. I mean, we have this joke around our place when people come in and they go, "Oh, you're so lucky. You know, you you you've you've gone to India." Yeah, let me tell you, I've gone to India 40 times, and I've come back sick 35 times, and I've gone to the hospital several times after I've come back. Um, and so, you know, yeah, that hunt's done, but sometimes you pay the price when the hunt's over. <laughs> well, now, just for our listeners, Bangladesh is kind of like wedged in there between, what, India and Pakistan or Burma or something like that? Isn't it down there somewhere? Yeah, it's it's actually um, it's it's right on the Ganges River. You know, you've got Pakistan on the upper part of that, and then just below it you've got India, and, and then you've got all the fabulous countries just, just above it that, you know, nobody ever wants to go to. But, um, you know, the, the neat thing is is, there are some neat parts of those countries, you know, but it is wedged in there. Um, you know, I mean, the, the, the pollution, you know, a lot of people say, oh, it's terrible, you know, that, that there's oil runoff and, and all this. The reality of it is, and, and I mean, you got to understand this, those guys are the ultimate scrappers that there are. They don't want that oil to run into the water. They don't want to lose any fuel into the water over there. And, and it's not because they're worried about the environment. It's because they're going to resell it. They're, those guys, I mean, they're reselling paint chips. Do you think they want to let precious fuel or oil go in that they can recycle and reuse or use it in other products? I mean, these guys, I mean, when you get there and you walk down the, the, the main road that goes through the shipyards, whether it be India, Bangladesh, Pakistan, it doesn't make a difference. They're all the same. You've got guys that are out there pulling all the kitchen sinks. You've got the sink guy. You've got the guy that's taking all the furniture out. You've got the chair guy, the table guy. Um, you, you've got the guy that's going out there, and he's taking all the insulation off the ships, and he's got great big piles of all this insulation, and you look at it and go, like, you know that just ain't healthy. Um, <laughs> asbestos, <laughs> for example, comes to mind? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, there's just some asbestos that's got to be in some of that, you know. And, and then when you look at, you know, the oil... And the fuels, I mean, I was, uh, that vessel that we shot the, the video on where I'm climbing the ladder up, um, that that was a um, compressed natural gas vessel. And when it came in, they had cut the front of the ship off and and was stripping off the insulation on the compressed natural gas tank. And I'm, I'm talking about, you know, like a 50,000-gallon liquid tank. And they, they realized that, you know, they had been venting this thing off for like a week, and it was still burning at the stack. And I looked at it, and I said, you know, that frost line that you see there at the bottom of it? And they're going, yeah, we can't figure that out. I'm going, that's like the liquid line. And they, they couldn't understand it. I said, well, in America, we use these things called propane tanks. And a lot of times, as you're venting them off, you know, you can see the frost line on the tank. And I said, that's where the liquid's at. And I said, you guys are going to be venting forever. And all of a sudden, the, the cha-ching goes off, and they're going like, there's liquid? And now they're trying to figure out how to transfer that liquid propane, you know, off of that ship onto another one. Well, in the meantime, they wouldn't let us enter the front of the ship, so we had to take a small boat to the back and climb the ladder and go up on the deck and then work our way around that, that, that area. But, you know, unfortunately, you know, in these, these yards that, that I visit, the big shipyards, um, you know, it, it's not like the ones in, say, Brownsville, Texas, or the ones I visit through the Great Lakes region where they have the great big sign-up that says it's been 527 days since we had a workplace injury. I mean, these that's not what their, their signs say. They're trying to keep track of how long it's been since somebody lost their life because 
come on, guys, let's face it. You know, these guys are out there with cutting torches. They're blowing through lines that they don't know what they are. Um, they're cutting big sections of a ship off that's going to fall down in the water. They don't really know when it's going to fall. They think they know when it's going to fall. But I've seen some pretty unpredictable moments where, you know, 30 or 40 ton sections of steel that they've been cutting on just all of a sudden falls. And and when it lands in the water, it's, it's like a stick of dynamite going off. You know, and you just pray to God that nobody's underneath of it and that they, they get hurt. But um, these conditions where these shipyards are, I can't stress enough, whatever whatever you think those conditions are, multiply it by 10. John, uh, because the, okay. yeah. the, uh, so I'm looking at your website. you got a picture of the one ship now. You say that they literally beach these vessels. And then, yeah. so how do they, when they, what do they do? Run them up there on high tide and then, uh, yeah. okay. Yeah, and, there's, and, there's, there's, a, there's a high tide process. And, and they've, just like here where we know what our tide levels are, because of the parts of the world that these guys are in, they, they have high tides and they also have what they call super high tides. Okay. And they know when those days are, and there's several of them a month for them in that part of the world. And so most of these vessels are in a holding yard. Um, that's maybe uh, it's in the bay or a half mile offshore, and so they when those ships are brought in there and they're they're anchored, then these individual shipyards they will go out and survey the vessel and they'll they'll bid for the rights to cut it up. This How, is big what's, business. Wow. Okay. So like the ship that you got right there, I'm guessing that that's what uh, seven, eight, nine hundred foot boat ship. And how is that the one the blue one is that the, that's the one where we uh, were climbing up the side of it yeah so how long yeah. would how long would it take to to reduce that to scrap well that over that what period a, of time a, a, yeah that was a 900 plus foot vessel and that vessel probably uh, was ultimately cut up to the point you couldn't recognize it within 60 days. 60 days? How many people on top of that thing? I mean, I'm looking at the way this thing's cut. I mean, it looks like hundreds. they just took a saw, hundreds. but I mean, really, hundreds. <laughs> hundreds of people. It's an, like uh, An army. Okay, an, I get it. An army, yeah. And so what they do, you know, when they when whoever gets the award for that vessel that they're going to purchase it for the scrap rights, then they go out there. And most of the time, these things will still run. So they'll go out there with a the crew, and they'll start up the motors. And they'll go in a gigantic circle trying to get this thing running as fast as they can. And when they've got that boat going as fast as it can, then they head it towards the beach. They've got a GPS coordinates where it's going to go. There's also these gigantic flags that they put up so that the, the captain knows that that's where he's going to go just in case there's a GPS failure. And they literally run that boat right up onto the sand. I mean, it is the most phenomenal thing you could ever see in your life. When it comes up, the water is going to come about 200 feet past the normal shoreline because that's how much water is being displaced by this ship. Wow. And, and I've, I've ridden on the vessels as they've come up onto the beach, and the, the last time I did it, I thought the ship was going to roll over on its side. Um, it probably was only healing at, at maybe a 10-degree but, you know, when you're on a 900-foot vessel and, and the deck, you know, is another 100 feet wide and you're sitting in the center of it and that deck tilts 10 degrees, you really are thinking that the side of the ship's dragging on the sand. And what's happening is, is as it comes up onto the beach, they're flat bottom. And so that water, it's, it suddenly gets displaced where it runs out on one side and it's heavier on the other. 
and, and so you're at an angle, and as the vessel comes to a complete stop, all the water runs out, and suddenly this, this huge vessel becomes setting on the beach level. And, and in that process, you better be holding on to the handrail or anything you can hold on to because um, it may only be going, you know, 12 knots. But when you get that mass going 12 knots, when it comes to a stop in 300 feet, it's a pretty big force to be reckoned with, you know. And then just as soon as the, the, the best part is, is, and you'll see it if you, you know, if you Google any of these shipbreaking yards, the first thing that they do, you know, you got to realize Pakistan, India, and Bangladesh, these countries are, they have super religious beliefs. And they, they think that the first thing they have to do is they cut off the bow and, and, and they, they want to cut that off and drop it down onto the beach. And, and in their eyes, that, that ends the life of the vessel. Now it's suitable for them to go in and recycle. You know, they, they don't call themselves shipbreakers or, you know, the junkyards. Um, like the big yards in India, it, it's called the, the Sosa Recycling Yard. And, and, you know, you think about it, you think, well, what are they recycling, tree limbs? Twi-? No, they're recycling ships. I mean, they're they're pulling engines. I mean, I see these guys pull these big 12-cylinder diesel motors out of these ships, and people are buying those. You know, they're going someplace. They might be going to a factory to be some sort of power generation unit. Um, they might actually go back onto another vessel someplace. Maybe somebody needs parts for it. Um, but... There's nothing that goes to waste on these ships as they get in. I mean, it's not like here where we go to a, a, a car junkyard and we see cars setting up and, and we've picked off the doors, we've picked off the hoods, we've taken the windshield out, and we've got this, this body setting there. And, and nobody wants it, so it just sets there and rusts away. There, you've, you've got every day, you've got the steel buyers that come through, and, and most of them have you know, these big, this jumpsuit on, it's blue with the white letters across to the back, and it's it's KIA, you know, and I, I used to look at that, and I'm going, boy, that whoever that KIA company is, that's a, that's a pretty big organization. Well, it's Kia. It's the Kia car company, and, and they come in there, and huh. they buy these 20 by 20 sheets of steel that are cut off the side of the ships, and, and they run those out to a smelting plant, and they, they create rolls of steel to take that off to another country where they stamp out the fenders for the Kia cars. So when you see a Kia car going down the road, there's a pretty good chance that that, that used to be a ship, the, the fender on it, because that's there's nothing that goes to waste, nothing. And 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 for and the one thing that I want to tell everybody. And this, this always gets me when I go out and I do shows or I get people that call me up and they want to buy something off the website and they're going like, John, can you give us, can you give us a better deal? Because I know, I know they're giving that stuff to you. Wow. Well, for all of you guys that think they're giving the stuff to us, you can go out and you can look at, let's just pick on India, okay? You can look at the India scrap rate today for brass, okay? Now, we're not talking about the common markets. We're talking about you know, go to the shipyard. There's sites where you can see what the bid is on brass. Brass is trading today for about um, 900 rupees um, per kilo. So we can do some simple math. You know, um, it's 64 rupees to a dollar. A 
a kilo is 2.2 pounds. The bottom line is, guys, brass is scrapping there for about um, $5.80 to $6.50 a pound, okay? John. And, 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 I'll, tell you, and I'll tell you a funny story. John, uh, we're, one time we're just about oh, out of time. Yeah. We're up against oh, the clock, right. so I just want. But a great. <laughs> no, no, I know. Yeah. Thirty minutes goes pretty quick. But anyway, um, why don't you one more time go ahead and give people your website real quick, and then we'll have to get okay. you back on again, and uh, we'll talk about some of the other stuff you're involved in, and um, yep. because it's a good story. I like this. We've never had anybody on before, and I do want to thank you for coming on. But tell people one more time how they can find out more about uh, your shipyard, your ship business. Yep. You, you can go online. You can go to www.bigshipsalvage.com. And this weekend, we'll be in the Isla Mirada Keys, the Florida Keys. We'll be here for the nautical flea market. And then the Dania nautical flea market is next weekend, February um, 27th through March 4th. I won't personally be there, but my company will be there. We'll have somebody there. I'll actually be in the shipyards. And um, then we'll be at the Tiberius Wooden Boat Show, um, the 20. Uh, 2nd of March through the 25th of March. And that's the Sunnyland Wooden Boat Show. And, and you can catch me live at that one. I'll be there with a booth of about 10,000 pounds of brass lights. Okay. Well, John, thank you very much for coming on the show. We certainly appreciate it. We'll definitely be in touch. I'll look forward to seeing you at the Tavares Show. In the meantime, I want to thank all my listeners for tuning in to Nostalgic Radio Cars. Don't forget, every Tuesday night here on the Town Talk Radio Network. Tell your friends. Follow us on our social media. See you at some of the car shows. In the meantime, stay safe, drive carefully, and love your family. WTAN, Clearwater, FM 106.1, WDCF, Dade City, Tampa Bay, WZHR, Zephyr Hills, FM 104.3. Listen.